Welcome everyone to Almost Cancelled. I am Peter, that is Connor, and this is our TV news edition of the show, uh, where we work through new show reveals, pilots, premiere dates, renewals, cancellations, all that sort of thing. Um, it's been about two and a half weeks since the last episode, uh, which is just scheduling stuff. It, was, it would have been two weeks. I can't remember why it specifically changed, but regardless, we got we got a bunch of stuff to, to look at. I wouldn't say there's anything individually huge like this is one of these mm. these weeks where there's a lot of t- i've got a lot of tabs open there's a lot of things to talk about i'm not entirely sure before we get into it like what the headline is going to be what, what am i going to title the video with what am i going to say here here's the thing i'm going to spotlight to make them clicks happen and i don't think there is anything springing to mind but maybe maybe i'll have forgotten about something maybe we'll find something juicy uh, as we go through here uh, we'll start off with some renewals and your cancellations uh pleasantly surprised even though we only watched one episode i'm actually pleasantly surprised and happy that resident alien has been renewed for season two just if nothing else mm-hmm. alan tudyk gets to keep a paycheck <laughs> so then... i mean it's always nice but i mean he's a talented man he'd have found work elsewhere sure but still i mean it was a solid enough first episode uh i i am lately going to go back and watch it at some point uh, as a binge oh, fair enough. just because it was it was pleasant enough let's give it more of a chance um so yes uh, apparently it's done quite well for sci-fi uh it's it's highest rated new drama in more than six years so uh i don't know if that says more about how sci-fi has been doing for the past yeah six i'm years. trying to think what have they had in the last six years <laughs> uh was expanse technically new in the last six that's years? what i'm just trying to work out that I'm was like, 2015 yeah, maybe so that may just be beyond the cutoff. It depends where they're counting it, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. That may just be beyond the cutoff. Uh, but yeah, so that's Res the Alien Renewed. That is the Alan Tudyk series where he plays an alien who is disguised as a human being uh, and he gets roped into being the town's doctor uh, in the first episode. Uh, not all the jokes in the pilot worked, but some of them were actually quite funny. So uh, maybe worth checking out, especially since you know it's not just going to be acts at the end of season one, which is always a, a concern with a network and basic cable, I think. So, uh, also renewed, Mr. Mayor has been renewed for season two. Um, not that I mention everything that gets renewed or cancelled on the show, but this is the new Ted Danson sitcom uh, on NBC. Oh, okay. Uh, I've not heard really anything about it, uh, but it's the sort I, of thing... I haven't at all. It's the sort of thing that, because I mean, we've talked about it happening on the... No, I meant in, gen- I meant in general. Like, I haven't heard of... You know anything talk, being talked about it at all, like online, outside of you telling me about it in the past? Ah, but you always forget the shows we talk about. So that was not an unfair we assumption. We talk about a lot of shows. That was not an unfair assumption. All right. So yes, it was making thirty. I remember it once you said it was a Ted Danson show. I'm trying to continue with the news story. Don't be so rude. We may get a 30-episode season. They get cut a little bit short. Production interruptions happened, uh, as expected right now. Uh, so ended ended up only getting nine episodes filmed of its 13-episode order, but they've renewed it for season two, so it's just getting them back and then some, I suppose, if you want to look at it that way. Uh, mm. But hey, you know, nothing to complain about with Ted Danson. Uh, Snowfall on FX got renewed for season five. That is the crime drama, which I know has its fans. Uh, so I thought I'd mention that. Uh, and then we have Outlander, renewed for season 7 by Stars again. Another sort of cult show with its fans. I've never seen Outlander, despite the fact that I like the creator involved. So, um, uh, Yeah, I'm, I'm aware of it. Uh, it's been on my you know, radar for a while, but I've never watched it. 
And then perhaps less exciting, but you know, I got to mention CBS somewhere. Uh, Queen Latifah's show, The Equalizer, has been renewed for season two, uh, which is the show spun off or based on the movies starring Denzel Washington. Oh, okay. Because, Joe, uh, for a second then, I was going to ask you, which one's that? But then I was like, is it is it worth asking? It's a CBS show. It might just sound the same as every other CBS show, but the fact that it's got something going for it there, he's like, oh, okay, I know which one you're on about now. Mm. Uh, but then for things ending, Killing Eve is going to end with season four, which will debut in 2022, uh, which again is another cult show uh, that I, I have heard very mixed opinions on, not on the quality of the show. I've heard very mixed opinions on whether or not I will like it. <laughs> Which is very different from is it good or bad. It's more, people think it's good, but it is, it's been completely down the middle as to whether or not I will like or hate it. And I, which is what, fascinating, I suppose, in its own right. What is it they think you might hate about it, if if, if you happen to ask it? I don't remember. Okay, fair I, If I even asked, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, it's in season four. So uh, there you go. Uh, so that is that. Uh, and some premiere dates. Uh, the final season of Van Helsing, which is its fifth season, may I add. Uh, yes, believe it or not, that's going to be season five. I uh, forgot it was still going, to be honest. Uh, Sci-Fi have unveiled the uh, the premiere. It is going to start on April the 16th, which is uh, the start of its 13-episode final season. So, it, do you know what? This is kind of encouraging, if only because it's nice to know that occasionally Sci-Fi will let a show get to, like, five seasons and finish. Because... It has a bit of a reputation for not doing that. <laughs> the fact that it's announcing... I mean, I don't, did we know it was its final season already? Like, Because it feels like they must have known in advance. Yeah, yeah, this, this was already known. Yeah, okay, that's fine. So yeah, it must actually have an actual ending. Yeah, and, and you know, to Which... be fair, the, I think they, they did the same thing for something else recently. I can't remember what it was now. But th- there was definitely something else. There was at least a couple of examples of them... You know, oh, don't get me wrong. They'll always be in the shit house for almost killing the expanse. But <laughs> they they had a whole run of shows in the last few years of things like that where they just kind of dropped the expanse. Obviously, being the one we care about, but uh, when owner up has a huge fan base, and that doesn't seem like it's really got an actual ending, so to speak. Um. Dark Matter, I, 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 a lot of fans. Well, Dark Matter was ages ago now. Well, that's not that's not that recent. It's still anymore. in in the. I'm talking about but, shows that started kind of in that same area. But uh, and Winona Earp, I'm not actually going to give them shit for that because season four took so long to happen because of all the financial issues with the production company mm-hmm. that I don't think I can blame Sci-Fi as a as a studio as a network for saying you know what we're not going to renew this again because this was such a a turmoil. Uh, that's that's fair, yeah. So, uh, with a bit of luck, the creators of that show decide to maybe rejig or do something with that. Play it the, safe. Because the back half of season four, like, they took ages to get to that, so they must have had a, an idea that this might be the end of this, and maybe mm-hmm. were able to rework a few episodes at the end to to rectify as such. But, uh, so there you go. Anyway, so Van Helsing uh, final season starting on the sixteenth of April. Uh, so out of nowhere, uh, this past week, obviously we don't watch the show anymore, but I, I was slightly amused uh, that out of nowhere on the past episode that aired of Batwoman, a recast Kate Kane popped up. Uh, yeah. Out of nowhere. just This is not the only uh, recasting on these CW shows in, in recent weeks either. I, I kind of want to talk about the other one in a minute, If, if once, once you tell us who this one is. Yeah, so... 
there was apparently so we never came back we never even finished season one never mind started season two uh obviously there was a male curiosity of oh how are they going to introduce the new batwoman what are they going to say about kate and apparently it was left pretty mysterious no one really knew what really happened to kate uh so this was kind of them starting to kind of pl- play this off so wallace day uh is now playing the role and i think i, can, I think i kind of get their, their their logic here of how they've done this if only in the sense of they wanted to establish the new batwoman make her feel like a big deal give her the spotlight and they weren't against recasting kate to explain the story and maybe make her a, a sort of guest star recurring guest star occasionally but they didn't want to like overshadow the new batwoman by having her there immediately at the start of the new season they mm. wanted to wait you know five episodes whatever it was uh before they did this and they didn't even you know have a fanfare it was like they, they, they just made it a surprise here's i appreciate that yeah, yeah. Uh, so I kind I kind of get it. Uh, admittedly though, I imagine watching it, and all of a sudden this woman shows up and says, "I'm Kate." You go, "Wait, what?" <laughs> like it probably would yeah, be a bit jarring. I believe. Uh, spoilers, I guess, for the episode. I believe there's something along the lines of um, she was in some sort of accident or something, and she was, you know, uh, had, for... had to have some reconstructive oh, surgery. Oh, there's an implot reason for her face being different. Oh, there is, and that's why I want to talk about the other recasting in a second because that has an amazing implot reason. Uh, from the brief synopsis I read a few weeks ago. But, Interesting. Um, well, th- I, well, just this, be- just specific be- recasting. Wallace Day, we know from Krypton. Yes. Uh, she, um, she's got a similar facial bone structure to Ruby Rose, so it kind of makes sense. Just on uh, Batwoman, before you tell us about this other recasting, they also cast uh, Peter Outerbridge to play Black Mask in season two. So he's Black Mask is going out of the show. Uh, All right. That neat. makes sense. Yeah, that's neat. So, so is this, I guess, potential spoilers for whatever show is? What show is it? It's uh, Black Lightning is, okay. is the spoilers for this. So spoilers um, for Black Lightning. I do not, yeah, I do not have the information in front of me. Uh, so I don't have names or anything like that. But I believe it is the youngest daughter, uh, Jen. Okay, that's weird. Uh, yeah. Um, basically, something to, I believe the actress wanted to leave the show or whatever, and they didn't want to just kill the character it's ending why do understand look she's it's the final season she could have stuck it out for yeah it. yeah <laughs> I, I, I don't know what went on but for whatever because it was yeah. it's pretty and, early but, in the season i guess b- right before before anyone responds but she actually had a very serious reason i have no idea why she wanted to leave i'm just cracking a joke i'm assuming she's just being awkward she might have a very valid reason for why she had to drop right then and there but yes continue yeah now again i'm a little bit vague because this is a brief synopsis i read probably two or three weeks ago now when it, when it happened. But the gist that I remember is something went wrong with her powers because uh, she has, you know, like you know, lightning powers, of course. And she basically died in the episode. It seemed like she died, like she disintegrated like into, into electricity or something or other. But then she was reformed with a, it. She came out reformed with a new body, basically, as a, just as a new actress. And it's like, this is very... It's a very unique way of tackling recasting. <laughs> and I, th- I just thought it was interesting when I saw that. Like, they're really handling this differently to what I expected. And then and then this popped up, you know, just a, a week or two later. I thought, oh, yeah, they're, they're really making an effort here with these. To at least have it feel like there's an in-universe reason for these things happening. I think there's a point where they have to accept that a recasting might happen once in a while and they might just have to roll with it. But... Yeah. You know, uh, I guess it's something. Uh, that one would be particularly kind of weird. 
I guess. It is weird, isn't it? Yeah. You're trying to read about it. <laughs> I'm just, I'm trying to see why she left. I'm just curious. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know if there, if there was a reason given uh, beyond just she wanted mm. to. I, I, I don't was actually just curious. Know. Especially if she knew it's the last season, it's, it's weird to, uh, you know. Yeah. It's, it's possible that, again, this is still fairly early in the season. By the time that this was shooting, maybe they didn't know it was the last season at that point. Uh, she, oh, and this is the official, this is a very short thing she's mentioned that for for different reasons that, to be honest, I don't want to go into. Uh, so basically she said she wasn't telling anyone yet. So it may actually be a very okay. serious personal thing that we just don't it know might yet well be, yeah. until much later, if ever, uh, depending on what it is. So, uh, so fair play, fair play. But, um, but hey-ho, okay. I thought that was mainly amusing, the, the, the casting change. I didn't realize there was another one. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's. I, I wasn't going to bother bringing it up, but seeing as we were talking about another one, I thought, well, yeah, I'll throw it in there. Yeah. Uh, so we got a bunch of casting for the boys' spinoff. Uh, if you remember, we're getting a sort of younger teen. Definitely version. not the X Men. <laughs> of the boys. Uh, well, I mean, given the tone in the boys, I mean. They could almost just call it definitely not the X Men. Is like almost a. <laughs> they could, yeah. Which is yeah. why I said that. <laughs> uh, so uh, Jazz Sinclair, who was on *Chilling Adventures of Sabrina*, is going okay. to be on the show. Um, so she's going to play Marie. Uh, uh, so it's going to be, you know, be a college show, maybe a bit of *Hunger Games* with the heart and satire and raunch of the boys. Uh, so the reason why I'm sort of glossing over anything else is because I've got like three different casting stories for this show, all different articles. So I'm just skipping to the next one. Uh, so then the next bit of casting we have for that, um, it's cast. It's uh, one of its leads is Lizzie Broadway, and she's going to star as Emma. So uh, I'm not familiar with her. Uh, no, me either. Uh, and then they also announced another batch of cast. Uh, Shane Paul McGee from Deputy and Greenleaf. Amy Carrero from Elena Valor and Young and Hungry. And Teenage Bounty Hunters Maddie Phillips have all been cast in the show. I love that they listed five different things there and I have never heard any of them. <laughs> I was going to say, I, yeah. I'm so blank here. But between all those different actors, all those credits, I, I don't know any of them. Uh, so they're all new faces to us for the most part, except obviously the actress from uh, Sabrina, who we obviously did see. But uh, Was she in the, the first season? Because obviously I only watched the first season. Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. I don't recognise the name, but I can tell you any of the cast members' names. Uh, so... No. Um, so, I mean, I, I think more than anything, it's just like, you know, this was announced a while ago, we hadn't heard about it for a while... But them announcing, you know, at least six cast members or whatever it's been this last week or so, uh, shows, hey, it's gearing up, this is happening, and uh, it'll probably still be after season three of The Boys proper, but it won't be much later, mm. by the sounds of it, given that how, how much they're getting going here. Given that they managed to get seasons one and two roughly a year apart, uh... I think scene three might be a little bit longer just due to, you know, everything that went on around that time last yeah, year. Yeah, but they're either shooting um, or they've got a shooting date start, you know, uh, scheduled, so... Uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they try and hit, like, six months apart so they can kind of, you know, mm. s split them nice and evenly throughout the year. Yeah, so, no, that's, that's neat. Uh, so, yeah, uh, obviously the boys is very good, so I am cautiously optimistic for a spinoff, uh, which obviously... Mm. This, this, again, as far as we know, is mostly going to be original material. Uh, but, you know, what they've added and what they've done to that that book from everything I've heard from the changes, because I never read the book itself, but uh, has been positive. 
and I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued to see what they do with it. Hmm. So cool. Um, I just I always thought one of the new characters randomly just drops C bombs all the time because we have to have a character on the boys uh, yelling that at people. Um, uh, speaking of castings, uh, but uh, Doom Patrol season three casting here. Uh, Michelle Gomez, who you may know from different things, nothing important. She's not really been in anything super special. Uh, no, 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 she she definitely wasn't not that long ago on, on Doctor Who. I don't know her. Uh, but, I, I, I mean, she was also on a. <laughs> Adventures of Sabrina, I guess, wasn't she? She was actually Adventures of Sabrina. Which was, you know, you know, you could have had a nice little segue there, but no, you squandered it. I'll be honest, I forgot she was on that show. You squandered that segue just to make your dig at Doctor Who. <laughs> uh, yeah, so she's going to play uh, Madame Rouge on season three. Okay. Doom Patrol. Uh, Doom Patrol's very good, and she's quality actress. Um Safe to say she'll be trying to hide her Scottish accent in this, I imagine, uh, which will have varying degrees of success if the uh, Sabrina uh, appears <laughs> I was as say, She's not got an amazing track record with that. <laughs> no, nah, she's a fine actress, but she's not very good at hiding her real accent. So, uh, Well, at least not with an uh, English accent. Maybe if she's doing like a... Or no, it was an American accent she was doing. Yeah, it was. I've, de- I've definitely... I think I've heard her do an okay English accent. I guess it maybe just depends on what she's been forced to do. But... Mm. Hey, uh, I think she'll fit in nicely with that ragtag group of shenanigans. <laughs> I was trying to think of a nice word to describe the cast and characters of Doom Patrol. And I mean it lovingly, because it is one of the best, if not the best, comic book TV show. Um, it's, in the, it's in the conversation. There's, there's it's up there for sure, yeah. Surpri- surprisingly, The Boys is also kind of in the conversation there. It, it is, yeah. yeah. Uh, would not have expected that. Uh, a bit more casting. This is one. No, this is a, a fairly notable uh, name here, uh, and it's Lena Headey. But uh, the reason why I really wanted to put this in here is because it was just it was like, hey, here's a show that sounded really cool. Uh, so let's remind everyone that it's happening. Uh, this is Beacon Twenty Three, which is AMC Networks and Beacon. Sorry, so Beacon Twenty Three is Spectrum Originals and AMC Networks. Uh, they're doing this show. And this is the sort of the lighthouse in space uh, show. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, very interesting. It's created by Zach Penn. Suspenseful thriller follows two people, Halen and Aster. Aster played by Hedy now, whose fates become entangled after they find themselves trapped together at the end of the known universe. Hedy's Aster mysteriously finds her way to a lonely beacon keeper, Halen, on his lighthouse in the darkest recesses of space. A tense battle of wills and folds. As Halan begins to question whether Aster is a friend or foe, as her ability to disguise her agenda and motives could make her a formidable opponent. So, uh, she's going to be possibly trustworthy, possibly not trustworthy, which is something that Lena Headey can probably do. So She's very good at that, yes, being uh, duplicitous, shall we say. Aye, aye. She was on some little indie show, something about dragons. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, no, I'll ever heard of that. Nah, nah. I felt a bit. Pedest- you're getting all the digs in tonight, aren't you? Felt a bit pedestrian to me. I, I never really got much, too much stock in it. I mean, by the end, I think most people would agree with you. <laughs> um, Man who fell to Earth is a show that Paramount Plus are are, are now doing. In fact, that's the news. Uh, it was Showtime. <laughs> okay. Well, it was sure. Showtime, so it's moved. Is is the news? It's moved right. from Showtime to and obviously Showtime are at least part owned. Uh, 
by the same company, if not completely owned, actually. Uh, so this is a, a lateral move. They've just decided that this is a better fit for Paramount Plus. I do, I do wonder. Um, is it a better fit, or do they just want more content <laughs> over there? Well, well, that's what that's what I was about to say. Is I, I do wonder at which point do they see do CBS slash Paramount see Showtime is just like an extra thing to deal with. Uh, in the same way that, like, at what point do HBO Max look at the regular HBO and say, well, technically it's all one thing, why aren't we just making all HBO Max content? And at least with HBO, the channel HBO has such prestige that I can see them yeah. wanting to keep it around for that, that name value and that recognition. Showtime, though, I don't know if it has the same cred. I mean, it's not that they've never made anything good, but they don't have the same aura that HBO does. No, they don't. I, I would say... The real answer to your question is when do they stop bothering? Is when it stops making them money. Yeah. When, when it starts to like, you know, when uh, you know what, this isn't as worth it anymore. Well, but I, we can make more money by putting them on the Paramount Plus. I don't necessarily think that the path will be that they'll just close the network or whatever. I I, I think more likely what will end up happening is that it'll just become the linear channel that shows their Paramount Plus yeah. content that. And a year down the line or whatever well not even that i think it can be day and day but i think the the, the fact is, is that paramount plus is cheaper than getting showtime on your cable subscription and you get a lot more content and you get a library of it that's on demand so like mm. all the benefits okay. so either way they're getting paid uh sure but, yeah, yeah no i agree with you saying but the audience get way more for their money if they just go to paramount plus so the, the incentive's already there the, if that's the way they want to play it um and plus, there's already exclusive originals on Paramount Plus. So it just depends if they ever want to just stop bothering making Showtime specific things. But not for yeah. now. For now, clearly they want to do both, and Showtime's still going to exist. And maybe it'll have its own sort of identity that forms out of this is the type of shows they have on Showtime versus uh, everything else that's on Paramount Plus. I don't know. Uh, because I'll say HBO Max has the same thing, where I, I don't think right now uh, there's much to differentiate really outside of the fact that what HBO Max has had so far hasn't necessarily landed as much as HBO proper, but it's not really had that much yet to really judge it and say, ah, oh, HBO Max, you know that they're going to be weaker if they're HBO Max shows instead versus HBO. Right. H HBO, the the core channel, has had its fair amount of, I don't want to say stinkers, but, you know, just things that weren't amazing. Right? Yeah, you know, just, you know, perfectly fine TV shows. We're up to the standard that we associate with HBO at their best. That's, that's exactly. all. That's all. Yeah. So, that's cool. And I believe I also saw... Jimmy Simpson being added to the cast of this as well, which is uh, neat. It's always nice to see. Uh, if, you, if you don't remember, uh, Chittle Ejifer is the, the lead on this. That was news for a while ago, mm. but just to remind you, that's the, kind of the, the key detail now, is that he's leading that. So, yeah, so that's on Paramount Plus now. And then, speaking of moves, uh, so George R. R. Martin is doing a show called Wild Cards, based on a book series. You know, Raul When you say is doing a show, you mean producing a show, right? Well, yeah, you know, he's, he's producing it. Uh, I don't know. It's like he spends much time writing books anymore. Maybe he's <laughs> he's getting more involved I, in his TV I, shows. You know For the most part, I wouldn't insist on specifying. But given his background, he's actually a TV writer. I feel like it does actually need pointing out with him. Wait, anyway, this is just another move. This was in development at Hulu. Can you guess where it's going? I mean, I can't imagine it's going to Disney Plus unless it's going to Star. <laughs> no, it's going to Peacock. <laughs> oh okay peacock sure peacock have got the wild cards <laughs> <laughs> okay fair enough and wild cards an alien pantheon 
Also, panting. My, my mind's just seen a word that isn't there. An alien pathogen <laughs> known oh, as the man, wildcard virus. That would have virus. been so much more interesting than a pantheon. Known as the wildcard virus is released over Manhattan in 1946, altering the course of human history. The virus rewrites DNA, mutating its survivors. A lucky few are granted awe-inspiring superpowers, while the sad majority are left with often repulsive physical deformities. So it's kind of X-Men-y. You know. Yeah. Thought about that. Yeah. Uh, so that's going to pick up. Peacock. Just a follow-up, because obviously we had a big conversation like about a month ago or so when they announced that the WWE Network was just going to mm, be yes. on Peacock in the US now. Uh, apparently that transition... Like, right now, like, there's just a lot of functions that used to, that were on the WWE Network. And if you're international, they're still there because you're still using the WWE Network with all the same functionality. <laughs> but there's simple things such as been able to go back to the start of a live event after it's already started, which was there before the network, isn't there on Peacock. Um, apparently, and I didn't read all the details, but one of the things they said was, you'll be able to search for matches by wrestler by around September. <laughs> okay. Uh, the, the starting again with the live thing, that's, that's really common with any services that also show live broadcast. That's a standard feature, right? Well, I'm guessing it, Peacock it's just become, doesn't show live. It's becoming a standard feature now, so they better... <laughs> they right, better they, I, I, get it, I guess yeah. it just wasn't built into their UI on the back end that they were like, ah, shit, and, and panicked, and like, we, we need to completely re-engineer stuff to get this in there. And they also apparently didn't go launch with all of the classic library that was already there, so they're gradually adding old stuff still, which was which was already available before. So it feels like oh. a huge step backwards. For everyone who yeah. cared and had it, it's a huge step backwards, so... Uh, that's a mess maybe it'll get there oh peacock <laughs> peacock no nah, you know i'm not even gonna blame peacock I'll, I'll, i'm happily blaming wwe i'll blame vince mcmahon because he saw money and look can we just split the blame on this one because i feel like peacock just you know anyone who chooses a name as stupid as peacock for their services probably makes some terrible decisions <sighs> hey it's better than Quibi. all right that's <laughs> <laughs> such a low bar uh, all right, so this is just news of a, a show from New Zealand making its way. Uh, what do you call the other ocean? Like, you know, we say across the pond for like you know the Atlantic. Does the Pacific have Pacific? a? Is that like a uh, a lake across the lake <laughs> across the across the puddle? Yeah, so they made a show called Wellington Paranormal, which is actually a spin-off of what we do in the shadows. This is a, a comedy supernatural series. Uh, by uh, Jermaine Clement, uh, who, based on Jermaine Clement and Tika Waititi's uh, film. Uh, it started in 2018 on TVNZ2. Or do New Zealanders Ooh, say Z instead of Z? I don't actually know what New Zealanders say. I, I, will, I will admit, as much as I, I say Z, if I'm saying the letter Z, in acronyms, it tends to sound better with the Z. It tends to flow better. Uh, so I'm wondering if it's meant to be TVNZ2, because that just sounds way smoother. <laughs> It does sound smoother, but I think we should say it our way for prosperity's sake. I don't care. Uh, so HBO Max and CW have both picked it up. It will air on CW and then go to HBO Max the next day when they start airing it in the summer. So uh, I, this is the sort of thing I normally wouldn't bother mentioning, but because it's a spin-off of a movie that everyone likes, uh, and it has characters, minor characters, admittedly, from the movie, uh, the police characters, but they are, they are the paranormal investigators in this now, so... Uh, I'm still waiting on my werewolf spin-off. Mm. I'm, I'm sure it's happening. 
I'm not. They'll have someday. There'll be older werewolves, but they'll be there. Taika's too busy doing Star Wars now. See, Star Wars ruins everything. Carl just admitted it. He just it's said a lateral it. move. He, no, he just said it out loud. That's basically what Carl just said. He, <laughs> it's, a, it's a lateral quote move him, in this case. Quote him. You could, you could timestamp that. You can quote it. You can, you can shout <laughs> it from the rooftops. Hashtag Connor hates Star Wars. Okay, so... <laughs> Bold claim. <laughs> so, all right, I have some shows here. Uh, Apple TV Plus has given a straight-to-series order to a half-hour comedy starring uh, Maya Rudolph uh, and it's created by Alan Young and Matt Hubbard. So it's an untitled series. Uh, it re- reunites the trio. Uh, she's going to play Molly, a woman whose seemingly perfect life is upended after her husband leaves her with nothing but $87 billion. I mean, if I'm going to be left by someone... not nothing. Yeah, $87 billion will comfort the blow. <laughs> yeah. It'll comfort the blow. Um... So yeah, that's a, uh, not much to go on there, really. Uh, but that's the thing Apple will do. Uh, next up, Netflix won the auction race. Actually, this is one that I updated, because when I, when I did the news originally a few days ago, uh, this was just like, oh, people are shopping for this. But then when I went to update it today, oh, Netflix got them. <laughs> so Netflix have won the rights to make beef. Uh, don't, no, they're not getting into uh, uh, butchering. I was say, I could go and make beef myself. <laughs> no, no, they're, uh, they're a show called Beef. It's a 10-episode, half-hour dramedy series. From A24, uh, starring Stephen Yun, uh, who's just been Oscar-nominated for Minari. So, you know, he's got a bit and of cred right now. By A24, which is... I mean, how often do they do TV TV shows? Uh, I can't think of any. I'm sure they have, maybe, but... I uh, yeah, I, I can't say they haven't, but I, I can't think of any that, you know, that I'm like, oh, that's a, a thing that they do. Yeah. Uh, Beef follows two people who let a road rage incident burrow into their minds and slowly consume their every thought and action. That description doesn't sound amazing on its own, but knowing that it's actually a dramedy slash comedy makes it sound more intriguing to me. I agree. You know, if, if that was a serious like description of like a, I don't know, like a thriller or something, it may still be good. Like if it, you know, it, may, it could still be well made and great, but because I know it's meant to be funny, I can see the beef yeah. leading to hilarity, like all the, you know, hijinks and try to like get one over on each other and whatever. That's the hope, yeah. That's the hope. Uh, next up, Sony Pictures Television is developing Invisible Woman, a female-driven dark comedy based on a Jeannie Ray's novel, Calling Invisible Women, uh, with veteran screenwriter and showrunner Randy Mayam Singer. <laughs> Mrs. Doubtfire, uh, the credit listed for them, so fair play. Okay. Uh, the, so they're going to rate the pilot. Uh, an invisible woman, a woman of a certain age, wakes up one day to find herself literally invisible and soon realizes she's not alone. So, yeah. Uh, okay. So it's presumably a commentary on women getting older and, you know, feeling like they're, they're you know, less important in society. Jill Connor, you're so observant. Like, people should give you a medal for how observant you are and like, picking up on Look, these complex things. I know themes. we're pointing out the obvious here, but I'm just <laughs> saying, that's, that's just, just, just go with it. Well, I was going to go on to see a quote here. Uh, oh well, for, from from uh, from singer, the writer here. I love the idea of invisibility as a metaphor for when women no longer are seen as we were in our younger years. The fun comes with making invisibility a superpower as well as an identity crisis. Look, if they can point out the obvious, I can too. 
the point was is i was about to elaborate and give it some more context from the writer but you tried to jump in and take credit for cracking the code because look i'm I, <laughs> look i'm not trying to take credit i'm not saying oh it was a huge leap of faith that i oh i, I must have figured it out i just thought you were done with your sentence and i was like okay i'll respond i didn't realize there was more to come Ah, uh, Conroe. <laughs> Don't so, bring that up. <laughs> CR21, emanating from Conroe. Uh, <sighs> Alright, next up. FX has added a pilot order to a half-hour show called The Bear. Matt will be perking his ears right now. I was just now. thinking that. Uh, from executive director Christopher Storer, uh, Hero Mirai's Super Frog, and Joanna Callow's and FX Productions. So Storer's going to write and direct the pilot. This is a half-hour show about a young chef who returns to Chicago to run a family restaurant. Storer will executive produce with uh, a lot of people. That was it. That was the whole description. That was okay. There's not a lot to go on there. He's a chef. I have to assume <laughs> the restaurant's called the Bear. I would assume. I don't imagine they're serving a bear. I, I don't know if that's <laughs> that's done. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure how legal that is in America, but you not know. very. I don't think. No. Um, Maybe in Russia. Oh yeah, because that's that's a standard we should aspire to. <laughs> saying, well, it's <laughs> okay saying, in Russia. It, it, it was the first place that it seemed like, well, maybe they served bear. I, I don't know. Putin's okay with us, so we should be okay <laughs> with us too. It just feels like if somewhere is going to have bear as a delicacy, yeah, it might be Russia. Somewhere, somewhere up in the Siberian end. Okay. Okay. All right. I'll take this time to thank our Patreon producers. For the month, so thank you to Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Short, Bordenow, Al Treisman, Christopher Moy, Brett Williams, and David Brown. Uh, they are producers, which means they are $20 or more on patreon.com slash TV. But you can, of course, support us for as little as $1 per month uh, over there. So please go and have a look and see if you want to help keep all the content coming. Uh, you can also support us for free by simply hitting the like button, subscribing and commenting. All those things help the dreaded YouTube algorithm, the beast which must be slain. The bear, if you will, that must be served on a plate to Conroe. He wants to eat bear. I can see it in his eyes. What uh, I'm saying is, if it was offered to me on a plate, I'd probably try it. But I'm not going to go out of my way and go go kill a bear for me. Okay, I see a future live stream opportunity of Connor trying to hunt a bear on his own. Uh... <laughs> I'll just have a drone Oof. filming it from a distance because I'm not. I'm not getting. What a the disaster bear. that would be! Come watch. How, how armed am I in this scenario? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think for your own safety, no firearms. You'll just shoot your own foot off. So uh, <laughs> you have a crossbow. <laughs> I'm so dead. <laughs> Come watch. Connor, Connor may die hunting a bear. God, I will die hunting a bear. <laughs> if you're going to go out, go out in a blaze of glory. Uh, so, yes, maybe I'll just choose. So, Hawkeye, uh, obviously we know that's coming, uh, with uh, your, your girl Haley Steinfeld and the Kate Bishop role, uh, along with Jeremy Renner, but there is a spin-off in development. Already? Um, already, yeah. Uh, they're developing a, a series based around the character of Echo, uh, with Ethan oh, Cohen yeah. and Emily Cohen set to write and executive produce. 
Echo is a deaf Native American superhero who has a talent to imitate any opponent's fighting style. She has also uh, been the circles of Daredevil, Moon Knight, and the Avengers. Yeah, so yeah, I think I've I've seen you, this character pop up in a, in a book or two. You've read at least the start of the Kelly Thompson uh, Captain Marvel run, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I read yeah, the first yeah. Arc, she least, was she yeah. was in she was in that uh, that you know not yeah. quite alternate world stuff, but the start she was there. Yeah, sounds familiar. Yeah, sounds familiar. Uh, no, it's neat. It's neat. Um, so, do you know what? I kind of I kind of like this as an idea because it's like, oh, this is such a, I won't say obscure character, but by you know compared to a lot of these other characters that get movies and TV shows, I kind of like that they're digging a little deeper now and saying, hey, what if we do a show about this character who, and because it's the the Disney Plus show, it, it may actually lead to her being in a movie later. Uh, yeah, it's someone that I mean, I don't know if they've even ever had their own title. I don't think uh, in comics, I, mean, I, mean, I, I don't think of. so. Yeah. I mean, you know, again, yeah, I say not that I know of, but so still, even by comic sense, relatively obscure. Yeah, uh, in, the, in this context, I mean, I, you know, honestly, she was intriguing even just in that Captain Marvel run because she did have such a unique power set. This idea that she can kind of mimic any fighting style that she's faced with uh, is interesting. So, mm. uh, curious. Um, it makes sense she's been around Daredevil at some point, though, because it's, I mean, why wouldn't you put the deaf and the blind superheroes together <laughs> at some point? Yeah, and, and I think that's the same power set as, like, a Taskmaster, right? Oh, I'll take your word for it. I'm not sure. I, I, I could be wrong on that, but I, I've, I, I have a, a he's vague not, recollection. He's not deaf, though, right? No, he's not, but no, just but in same, the sense of he, yeah. he mimics the styles and learns what they're doing and, and, and you know, just remembers it all. Um. I think what's interesting about this is that it's not just an announcement of a show; it's it's a spin-off from Dead, uh, from not Devil, sorry, uh, from Hawkeye. Which because I, di- I didn't even know she was going to be in Hawkeye. Well, I mean, so early we don't really know much about what's in Hawkeye outside of the two leads. So and dog, mm-hmm. we saw we saw set photos of the dog, piece of dogs there. But uh, yeah. it does say that yeah, that implies at least that she's going to be there, or at least something in it will connect to her. But I imagine yeah, she's they wouldn't be call there. it a spin-off otherwise, right? Yeah, I, I mean, most likely she's probably going to be there as a as a supporting character at some point. She'll probably be a guest in one episode, maybe. Yeah. So uh, that's neat. Honestly, it's, a, it's an yeah. interesting character that uh, could do. Uh, less interesting. Uh, Disney Plus of Greenlit a National Treasure TV show. I'm actually going to agree on this one. I wasn't expecting uh, you not I, I, to. I, well, I mean, I, there was always a chance that you were going to say something that Disney Plus had done that I was going to fight you on and say it was more interesting. But yeah, I, I, I don't give a toss about National Treasure. National Treasure came out at a time where, I mean, I was still a teenager, uh, for sure. But it came out of a time where I just thought the idea was lame. It just looked like a lame movie. And I did it. I eventually saw the first one because someone said, you need to watch it. It's good. And it, there wasn't <laughs> but i've never seen it i've seen like uh, 10 minutes and got bored was that yeah there's yeah. a second one it just you know it came off as like a like and, you know nicholas cage you know he brings an energy to everything he does but uh family friendly like knockoff of like an indiana jones style thing just wasn't or like a heist style thing just wasn't it <laughs> just, could just could just watch indiana jones uh, Nicholas Cage belongs in a movie with an R rating. I'll, that's, all, <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to dispute that. <laughs> <laughs> he belongs in a movie with an R rating. Um, I think all the Nicholas Cage he needs movies to be are unchained. Like, yes, 
uh, I say unhinged. <laughs> this is maybe the word I'd go for. <laughs> There's a very fine line between the two <laughs> that he flip-flops back and forth. Uh, next up, uh, Keanu Reeves is going to star in Berserker. <laughs> I'm, just, I mean, oh, I imagine, I'm so shocked by this news. I'm surprised. I mean, I'm, it's probably just pronounced Berserker, but it's, it's written without any syllables. So I'm just like, Berserker... You know, yeah. I, I, I basically I'm trying to do the voice that the people in the red room in Twin Peaks when they're t- when they've recorded it backwards. It's very hard to do without recording it backwards. <laughs> um Anyway, so it's actually a movie that he's going to star in uh, primarily, but the reason why it's in the TV news is because it's also going to be an anime or an anime series on Netflix to be specific. Uh, Ooh, I pres- sign me up. Presumably, he's still going to do the uh, the voice uh, this, but uh, the reason why this is not super surprising that he's involved is because it's his thing. <laughs> he did this. Yes, he <laughs> allegedly wrote this comic with uh, Matt Kint, I think it was, mm. uh, is the co-writer. And as soon as it was announced, I was like, okay, so when you announce in the movie starring Keanu Reeves, it was, it was always going to happen. Um, I guess, uh, I guess I it mean, was this week. Have you seen like what the comic looks like? Like, is it, I mean, it's meant to be Keanu Reeves. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. But even from, like, the moment they announced it, it was like, yeah, okay, this we know what this is doing. Like, he's got the long hair and the beard. It was clearly always drawn with the idea that Keanu was eventually going to play him, so... Uh, yeah. I will say, just on the, the actual animated series bit, you know, you know, Keanu play it. I'm willing to bet he plays some of it, but I was playing through a game, uh, The Medium, uh, couple, when that came out a couple of months ago, and there was a character in it that sounded like almost exactly like Keanu Reeves and it was it was but it was creeping me out I was like who is this actor and I looked him up and his only other role that I, you know that I would have recognized him from was unspecified voices in uh Cyberpunk 2077 I was like oh, okay he's he's the Keanu Reeves imitator guy so maybe he'll get a nice little job from this anime who knows <laughs> he's very good to be fair like it was like mm. uncannily close well uh, so it was a twelve-issue comic series uh, that launched on March third. Yeah, I think uh, there's only one issue out right now. Yeah, so it's all just started. Uh, the story is about an immortal warrior's eighty thousand year fight through the ages. The man only known as B, B for Berserker, as a half mortal, half god, cursed and compelled to violence, even at the sacrifice of his sanity. But after wandering the earth for centuries, B may have finally found a refuge, working for the US government to fight the battles too violent and too dangerous for anyone else. In exchange, B will be granted the one thing he desires, the truth about his endless blood-soaked existence and how to end it. Uh, I'll be honest, this... Like, it may be perfectly good, and then the movie that happens may be perfectly good, but that description just sounds like... uh, It's making me think of Bloodshot. I'm getting bloodshot vibes from this. I get where you're coming from. I'll tell you what it is more accurately. Uh, the Old Guard. Which, which I also, which I also saw. Which is the Greg Rucker comic, which became a Netflix movie. Yeah. Uh, it was it was painfully okay. Fine. Yeah. No, I agree. It was fine. Uh, yeah. Comics comic solid, though. I'd recommend checking it out. Uh, but very similar idea to what this sounds like. Mm. Uh, hey-ho. Uh, next up... So 25 years after playing the role that launched Matthew McConaughey's career, he's in talks to return for a sequel. Uh, so he was in A Time to Kill, which 
I'll be honest, if you just said what's a time to kill, I'd have said it's a James Bond movie. Uh, I mean, I know all the James Bond movies, and I still wouldn't know. <laughs> it sounds like a James well, Bond movie. I know movie. it's not, but it's like, yeah, yeah, sure, if, if it's in. Yeah, so HBO's acquired directs to the John Grisham novel A Time for Mercy, uh, the sequel to Grisham's classic novel in which the 1996 film is based. I don't know how this is possible, but I legitimately have never heard of A Time to Kill. Like, you would think the movie that launched Matthew McConaughey's career would be something that I would have at least in the, passing The earliest I can think of is Days and Confuse. Yeah, that's what I think of. I haven't even seen that, but that's the first, like, early Matthew I McConaughey love thing. That. I... I love that movie. I absolutely love it. And that's the earliest McConaughey I can think of. And, I, and for, like, a moment, I was getting a little bit excited by this news story. I was like, oh my god, are they doing a weird comeback to Days and Confuse? I was like, what's going on here? Uh, and and then you hit me with this stupid not a Bond title, and I was like, well, okay, I'm disappointed now. Yeah, so a good limited series, McConaughey's in Family Negotiations. Going to be ten, e- sorry, eight, eight to ten episodes to be specific. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Yes. Yeah, he's, he's a lawyer. It's you know, a courtroom thing. Oh, that's less interesting. Yeah. Um, the original novel was set in Clanton, uh, I think that's Missouri, MS. I can't think of anywhere else that would be. I think it's Missouri. Uh, clearly, I just, it's one of those ones that don't pop up enough because no one talks about Missouri that much that I just don't I mean, recognize. Why would they? Uh, but it followed a fairly young lawyer as he defends a black man accused of murdering two white men who raped his 10-year-old daughter. So it's a cheery film. Uh, by the sounds of it. Mm. Uh, the case turns the small town into a boilerplate of tension that includes inciting oh. violent retribution and refuge from the Ku Klux oh. Klan. Uh, the novel was uh, a Grisham hit and Warner Brothers quickly moved into the book uh, and got Joel Schumacher to direct it. Oh. Oh, I'm sure it's amazing. Wait, so Schumacher directed this in between Forever and Batman and Robin? Because it, it came out in the Yeah, that lines up. Whoa! What I think is sandwiched so, in between those two movies is this serious racial courtroom <laughs> drama. Have we never heard of this movie? I don't know. That's, that's, that's one just passed me by. Uh, but <laughs> cool. Maybe if people who like the movie will be excited that McConaughey is going to be like this character again, like almost thirty years later. Maybe that'll be exciting. Yeah. I mean, I, I I like McConaughey, so that that's got something going for it at least. Hmm. Next up, Ridley Scott and Stephen Knight are teaming up. They're working on Roads to Freedom, a 10-episode epic that'll tell the story of World War II from several international perspectives, based on Sir Anthony Beaver's books. Uh, the intention is to tell the story using a fresh, unique perspectives. Uh, while most Hollywood war films are focused on the American and British effort, Roads to Freedom will portray brutal realities from multiple viewpoints, with characters not only from the US and UK, but also from Russia, Germany, France, and other countries across the globe. Uh, that includes women and children struggling to survive. The emphasis is on humanity. The characters bound together by one dramatic story. Some of the storylines will be discomforting but heroic, and the race between the East and West to capture Berlin will shed light on what became of the foundations of the Cold War. Um, noble enough. I mean, when it comes to war stuff for me, only the, the best of the best tends to break through and like really... Uh, yeah, it's very rare. Me. I like war stuff. But uh, this sounds a little commendable in that it's trying to act actively not just present, hey, the, the side that we were in was the good side and the other side was the bad side. Mm-hmm. Although, admittedly, 
it's easy to do that with World War Two because the Nazis were just villains. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a lot easier to to be more nuanced with World War One. Yeah. In comparison. Uh, of course, it's more complex than that, really. It's not like, you know, there was tons of people in Germany who didn't want to be fighting that war, who were forced into it because the regime that was in power forced them to. So there is definitely a lot of nuance to be told within that. It's just, uh, it's very easy in a movie to just be Hitler, evil, bad, and go for it. Which T- tends it, to make for a solid movie. And no one argues it because Hitler was a complete evil piece of shit, but... Well, I'm, I'm glad we got that straight. <laughs> yeah, well, you know. Uh, one ball short of a pair. Yes. Very good. I'm not bursting into the song. What song? Did that not go around your schools when you were younger? No. I'm not going to say it, but it was <laughs> it was a song about Hitler only having one ball that was very popular for years and years. Ah, okay. So yeah. when you write your autobiography in a few years, you know, from the, the Tales of Conroe, there's going to be a chapter mm-hmm. on the song about Hitler's one ball and the song that used to sing. It, used to be, it was like West Side Story at Conroe's primary school. Uh, I'm not saying it was, a, it was a big deal. Just like uh, most English kids could t- could whistle you or sing you this song quite comfortably because it was just it's just there it's just part of the, the national consciousness just imagine connor sort of like hanging at an angle up from the from the lamppost like singing in the rain to, his, to, gen- to, his ginger look, hair soaked with the, the english rain as to, to the vast majority of of english people in a, a pretty wide England? age range from what i gather <laughs> age range not geographical range <laughs> this is as common as saying oh do you know that song as saying i don't know do you know jingle bells that's that's like it's just it's just everyone just knows it no, you know it's one of those i'm gonna go out on a limb here and say that jingle bells is a bit more well known than this one ball hitler song maybe outside of england but in england uh probably equal so you're saying in the important areas it's <laughs> less no, less known <laughs> than jingle bells is what you're saying <laughs> Oh, you'd be glad I don't have a flag up behind me right now. If you had an English flag behind you, I would be making fun of you all the time Look, for it. That was a very topical reference to the the Union Jack controversy of the past week in this country uh, and and the BBC. So just just you know, if anyone got that, well done you. It was it it, it was a very nice reference on my part. It's not my fault you don't I, read the news. I'm, gl- I'm very glad you told everyone that you made a very nice reference. I don't know what got it, but it was a very nice reference. I made it a good reference. It was if you read the news in the UK. It's not my fault that you don't read the news. <laughs> <laughs> it was a big deal. Uh, who cares about a stupid flag? This is That was the argument. <laughs> that was the whole news story. Well, clearly, so it wasn't. Clearly, Ugh. started. Someone cared about it. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a news story. It literally started because someone liked a tweet. Laugh. Uh, someone who worked at the BBC liked a tweet about someone laughing at people who had flags up. It was like, yeah, no one cares about flags, and that was it. And it, and it snowballed from there. Why was this news? I, I don't understand why this is news. Because the BBC got political, so it got it became news, basically. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, dear. All right, moving on, shall we? Uh, Mike Tyson biopic, Jamie Foxx. This was going to be a movie. Uh, Anton Fuqua producing with Martin Scorsese. 
but uh, it's now going to be a limited series. Does Mike Tyson have a particularly interesting life? Well, I, I don't know you know, much outside of the, the, the bullet points. He must do, because this is now the second limited series based on his uh, life that's in the works right now. <laughs> oh, okay. This one has Jimmy Fox, though, so perhaps this one maybe now has the, the cred behind it. Yeah, it's a bit more notable. Yeah, so... Yeah, yeah. Hey-ho. Uh, but there you go. Um, and... Yeah, I think you shave Jamie Foxx's head. You, you slap that tattoo on him as makeup. I, I think... Is he going to do the voice? <laughs> I don't know. I mean... Because he has a very distinctive voice, let's be fair. If he's expecting to meet Mike Tyson at some point, he might do his best not to do the voice, just in case. Uh, <laughs> because Mike Tyson, yeah. I'm pretty sure, can still throw a pretty good punch if, if the occasion calls for it. I would like it. to think so. Uh, I'll, I'll give the man some credit. I'm sure I'm sure he can still outpunch the vast majority of, of your average Joes. Yes. Uh, and even, I mean, Jamie Foxx was like a really in-shape guy, but I'm pretty sure Mike Tyson could still uh, uh, knock him down. But... I believe it. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not, I wouldn't agree to a Mike Tyson fight until he's at least, like, 75. And even there, I'd be questioning myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I'd probably still put money on Mike Tyson at that point, frankly. He'll have a cane. He'll have a cane. He'll be able to, be able to walk, but I'm like, you know what? I'm still not entirely sure. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, to go back to do I get a crossbow in this scenario <laughs> you still might lose uh, uh, so yeah I made Tyson biopic uh, with Jimmy Fox in the works um, okay so next up uh, so David Icke who worked on Battlestar Galactica obviously wasn't a showrunner that was uh, Ronald D. Moore but uh, he worked on Battlestar Galactica he is now working on a Walking Tall TV remake. This was a, a classic movie uh, from the 70s and then was then remade in the 2000s starring The Rock. Uh, I never saw either version, admittedly, but I I, 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 the, I remember the remake coming out. And I, I, I remember knowing it was a remake, so clearly it, there was a, the slightest of imprint left on me. Um, but it's being... Done as a TV show, uh, possibly starring Charlotte Flair, which is funny because that's another wrestler. So there might actually be another Perfect. remake of this, obviously with a, a female spin on it, of course. But um, so she she may actually be starring this. Um, she is was, she good? She's, she's a pretty solid wrestler. Uh, I mean, I, I said because yeah. as a rule, a lot of wrestlers transition to acting reasonably well because wrestling is you know a lot of it's acting right i don't mean that in a bad way i don't know i, uh, I mean it, it, it's a very you know cross compatible skill set um so you know you can make a fairly good assessment it's it's funny because obviously there's a bit of acting in the ring to, to a point uh arguable there's even more acting in the promos and when you talk about wrestling mm. promos is just uh well you know when they talk basically though, when, they, yeah. when they say things to each other um, and that tends to be where you know you have your direct comparison of like acting because it's like you know because some people aren't good at that part. Some people are really good in the ring, but like, they're really athletic and they put on a great show. They're good physical actors, but when they have to actually open their mouths, it's like ah that. And that's why a lot of wrestlers get a manager who do this who does the speaking for them because like, okay, 
you're really good at everything else, but we'll give you someone who's good at talking to speaking your behalf, and that's kind of a done thing. That's fine. Know your strengths. Uh, so, uh, which she doesn't have, to be fair. Um, is she actually good? Because even then, when they're good at that, doesn't mean they'll translate necessarily to traditional acting. Obviously, The Rock was very good at it and has has found a found a, a nice groove for himself. John Cena's done okay. He's all right. Yeah. I, I'm not saying he's the best, but I mean, he still tends to get work pretty reliably. Uh, so yeah. Uh, so apparently they're looking at doing a two-hour TV movie uh, with the hope that it'll essentially lead to a green light of an actual series as well. Uh, so so kind of treating it as a big double pilot in a lot of ways. Yeah, well, what's, what's funny is that just uh, Battlestar Galactica actually started with a miniseries. It was two 90-minute mm-hmm. episodes and then it did well, so okay, we'll green light the show and then it got a full season, so... Uh, it would be a very similar path if that's what happens here. Um, so he's actually so David Ike's he's so he's apparently selling that to the NBCU family, but he's also selling something else. Uh, a romancing the stone esque sci fi series. So it's not a romancing the stone thing. It's just they're just saying that. I to think, dis- dis- I think we've already got a romancing the stone thing coming, don't we? Uh, is that one of the things Disney Plus are rebooting? Is the rebooting everything? I, I feel like we've spoken about that at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. <laughs> Yes. The name of this one is The Zone of Silence. Very inventive. Feels like a sci-fi version of... Uh, I mean, what, what will this be? Uh, Greetings, Earthling, my old friend. It's <laughs> 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 uh, so sci-fi... It's actually just their take on Stalker. Yeah. It's a sci-fi adventure uh, with a south-of-the-border twist. It follows a husband-wife UFO hunting team suffering from a strained marriage who investigate the real-life Bermuda Triangle of Mexico, known for its bizarre phenomena and rumours of a hidden alien culture preparing for attack. If the heroes can save the world, they hope they can save their marriage. <laughs> so, there you go. That's sure, a, why not? That sounds like a, a, a sci-fi show waiting to happen. Because you know, this is NBC it, it really Universal. Does, yeah. So th- this, this is going to be your... Your middling sci-fi level budget show, which might be fine they'll, for they'll it. put it on after Resident Evil Alien. <laughs> yes, very possibly. And it might, it might, it might actually be the leading. <laughs> just nicely. Uh, so, cool, 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 cool. Uh, there's a couple of genre things in the works: an action show and a sci-fi show. Um, so let's talk about the Hoff. Oh, okay. What's he doing now? Well. I hear he's a big hit in Germany, and apparently this is this is corroborating that. Because I, I, I have known of, of this in the past. CBS Studios and German producer Surreal Entertainment are teaming to create a series for RTL streamer TV Now, which I've never heard of. I've heard of Now TV. TV Now, I assume, is a, a German or maybe mainland Europe streaming service. But I'm assuming so, yeah. David Hasselhoff will star as himself in a fictional international conspiracy story. So, do you want this? Do you, before you tell me any more, <laughs> this is the uh, this is the the pseudo sequel to the uh, John Claude Van Damme show. I was I, I thought you were going to say this is like his version of My Name Is Bruce, but I can see why you'd go with the. Because that was one where he was starring as himself, yes, yes. but it was like, oh, there's actually more going on. It follows the Hoff as he lands a lead role in a German stage show. Uh, 
which plunges him into the center of an international conspiracy of former Cold War assassins. While around him, the fabric of reality seems to break down. German actor Henry Hübchen uh, also stars as a version of himself. So that, this is a... Uh, the Hoff ends up accidentally becoming like a spy <laughs> in Germany. I'm kind of really into this. It's probably going to be terrible, but I want to watch it. Oh, dear. Uh, oh, dear. Uh, moving on. Uh, Disney Plus has greenlighted the crossover, a drama pilot based on the best-selling Newbery award-winning novel uh, by Kwame Alexander. Uh, written by Alexander and Damani Johnson, uh, with D. Johnson uh, supervising and to be directed by George Tillman Jr. The crossover tells the story of a 14-year-old basketball phenom brothers, Josh and J.B. Bell. The boys come of age on and off the court. Professional and personal. Yeah, um, that, I'm, I'm going to drink for that. that I, I think that counts. The court as the former pro-baller father adjusts to life after basketball and Matriarch mother finally gets to pursue dreams of her own. This aspirational and emotional family drama is narrated entirely by Josh through his lyrical poetry. And it ends here with an example of the, please, lyri- of the lyrical please don't. poetry. I, I thought I couldn't get less interested in this show until you told me it was narrated via poetry. <laughs> with a bolt of lightning on my kicks, the court is sizzling. My sweat is drizzling. Stop all that quivering, because tonight I'm delivering. <laughs> That sounded dull as shit. I'm like, oh, I don't need a teen basketball drama. That, 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 that doesn't interest me at all. And then you told me it was narrated via poetry? <laughs> oh, that's a hard no. Hey, I think you, you never know. It could, could you know, could I know. Uh, all right, look, you're not into it. Fine. Um, I'm not going to completely write it off, although I admit. The, the poetry Look, part of it's a little off-putting. But. Even that, like, all of it in general doesn't actually mean it will be terrible. But it guarantees I don't want to watch it. Uh-huh. Uh, Vera Farmiga has been cast as the lead in Five Days at Memorial, an Apple TV Plus limited series from John Ridley and Carlin Cuse. Uh, names which we know from various things. Uh mm. Carlton Cuse, of course, was a co-showrunner on Lost, and he worked on Bates Mattel, which is notable because Farmiga herself was the the lead yep. in that show. And then John Ridley. We, I mean, we've been mostly discovering him through comics recently, but of course, he's a screenwriter, uh, award-winning Probably screenwriter, a slave, pretty yeah. famously, right? Yeah, award-winning. So he's you know. Uh, so this is a, a show which is going to chronicle the events and the immediate aftermath of Hurricane Katrina. Uh, and reunites Formiga uh, with uh, Cues. So, um, sounds very serious. Yeah, sounds like a series, limited drama. Uh, Carlin Cues is a showrunner. Like, I loved Lost, but it's kind of clear that it was more the Lindelof half of the showrunning team that, I, that maybe was more to my taste than Cues. Cues was fine. Obviously, it wasn't ruining anything for me. But that said, John Ridley's involvement uh, means that this might have some really serious dramatic weight to it, I think. It'll probably have some good scripts, and Vera is a very good actress. Yes. So. Yes, don't judge yeah. her on that one scene in Godzilla King of the Monsters where she explains her motivations. I'll be honest, I forgot she was in that movie. <laughs> we have to let nature take the planet back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not her fault. The script I, should, was... I should rewatch that, but shouldn't I? The script was... oh, well, I just rewatched it recently. Uh, 
for for the ace so i i'm, I'm thinking i might grab because they're they're doing the new 4k re-release of the 2014 godzilla and mm-hmm. they've uh uh recolored some of it a little bit so that it's lit a little bit better um in some of the 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 fight scenes and well like you know monster scenes mm. so you can actually see the action a little bit better um so i'm really tempted to grab that and then maybe i'll watch them both before the new one mm. and not kong skull island as well you can i mean i'll probably throw in kong let's be honest because otherwise matt will yell at me it's the weakest one though it, it probably is but i mean it's i remember it looking one. quite nice what, what watching that again just like i was more critical Look, this time here's, here's the thing Mm-hmm. I remember it looking quite nice, just visually, and then Brie Larson. So, I mean, I'm sure I'll enjoy myself for a couple of hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up, uh, acclaimed director of Knives Out and Brick and Looper is going to be working and, on a show. That's it. And he's working on a show and, with <laughs> with Natasha Leon, who of course has found success recently with a Russian Doll. Um, so they're working together on a 10-episode straight-to-series order at Peacock. <laughs> We're back to Peacock. Is that where this is? I saw this news story earlier in the week. I didn't see it was at Peacock. Otherwise, I would have taken yes. it less seriously. Yes. <laughs> uh, so. No details of the premise have been revealed. <laughs> uh, there's just a lot of talk about edge-your-seat mysteries. <laughs> this is a, d- definitely a different thing to follow up your work on Last Jedi with. Was that? I've never heard of it. Uh, so, yeah. You know what? I'll say this. Knives Out was the first thing by Ryan Johnson I actually kind of liked. So, hopefully, this uh, can continue that trend for me. Yeah, I mean, I know, I know you're not as big as him as I I like a lot of his stuff. I think uh, even though you don't like some of his movies, I think you would agree he's a solid director. Like, I mean, if you look at his, his work on like Breaking Bad, for example, you really like those episodes. I do. Uh, obviously, he seems to be the one driving the creative control in this. Uh, so it's clearly his writing that I have more of a problem with than his direction. Uh, yes. But that said, I did like Knives Out, so maybe this... And this being a, a mystery of some sorts yeah. definitely m- maybe lends itself more to that side of his of his stuff. Maybe he's just better when he just sticks to being pulpy. Maybe that's just the, maybe that's the, the right concoction that Knives Out had. It's just a, it was a pulpy fun yeah. rom, but didn't try to be anything else. It, it might well be. I mean, I, I've been uh, rereading uh, Grant Morrison's Batman this past uh, week or so, and I don't know how much of it you remember, mm-hmm. but um, there's a story relatively early on, uh, the Black Glove murder mystery stuff. And I was reading it going, oh man, I'd love to see this adapted as a, a lower budget film. For like HBO Max by like Ryan Johnson or someone like that, hmm. would love that. Yeah, I'm just uh, like uh, you know, uh, and it's, it's what's annoying is that everything that he's done on paper I should like. Uh, you know, when, when you describe to me what the concept of Last Jedi was, it sounded great. Oh, it's like they, they're after the chasing them and they're on the run the whole movie, but then it was a series of B and C plots that were kind of. There's a weird way where the way you can describe that movie. And, and I want to say, I, I I love that movie, but you can make it sound like Mad Max Fury Road yeah, if so you wanted I, and to. And that's what and, I wanted. And, and it wouldn't be disingenuous. I wanted Star Wars Fury Road. That's what I wanted from that movie. <laughs> I mean, that's not, that's not why I dislike it, but that's that's effectively what I wanted. Um, I, I mean, look, I, I give you shit for not liking them. I mean, I give you shit for not liking Star Wars in general. But to be fair to you, your dislike of Last Jedi is not the same as the terrible 
shite bags on the internet who just no, hate no. it for I reasons. Mean, well, the, the way I always bring this up is that for as much as I don't like Last Jedi, it I, I respect it far more than the film that came after. And at least, I mean, I, I Can see you remember it. the name of the one that came after? Rise of Skywalker? Oh, well done. Yeah. <laughs> you you uh, weren't uh, confident there. I had, I had to think about it. Um, Rise of Skywalker was such a studio mandated, you know, this, this try and please everyone who was mad at the last film. It was a soulless, but more importantly, spineless film. And for as much as I don't like Last Jedi, and I don't, at least it was someone's vision who tried to do something different. And I had been saying for a long time that they had to do something different. I just didn't like what he specifically did, but it didn't mean but that... There's, I... there's no doubt that it was his film. Yes. Uh, that one that came after was... Every, like, like yeah. Last Jedi gets respect, even if I don't like it. The, the one that came after, not so much. But even like Looper on paper, I should love. Uh, Brick, to an extent, sounded cool as well. And I, I ended up just being kind of eh on both of them. So... I've never actually seen Brick. I probably I, I feel like I might like it. I, I like Looper more than you do. I don't love it, but I like it more than you do for sure. But I should probably check out Brick. But hey, uh, next up, Lucy Hale, the acclaimed star of Truth or Dare, and also Fantasy Island. I'm sure she's been in some good stuff as well. Well, these are the things I've seen her on, so. <laughs> she, so she's going to be uh, uh, the lead in a show called Ragdoll it is a limited six part series described as a modern day Faustian thriller uh, it serves on the murder of six people whose bodies have been dismembered and sewn into the shape of one grotesque body nicknamed the Ragdoll so uh, I mean this, this could end up in a really cool little uh and I'm not just saying this because we just had, like, a Silence of the Lambs TV show start, but it sounds like a potentially tight six-episode Silence of the Lambs-style story, if that's what they're trying to do. Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, it sounds all right. Yes. Uh, is Lucy Hale actually any good? I mean, I don't know. I've only seen her in absolute garbage, so it's impossible to tell, but... I mean, I like the, the album that she put out as a singer, but, I mean, that's irrelevant to acting. Uh, it yeah, people like Pretty Little Liars, right? I mean, people it's, do, uh, but I mean, it's a... whether hey, or not it's good or not, or whether or not she's good at it is a different question. But people like it. If you want to go do some research and watch some Pretty Little Liars, and you get back to us, you're more than welcome to. <laughs> I'll get back to you after having consumed more alcohol. <laughs> yes. Uh, next up, Kelly Cuckoo, uh, who has now been referred to as the flight attendant star because that was a hit wow that didn't take long yeah because that was you know a hit it got some critical acclaim uh so she's shaking off that big bang theory stink <laughs> i'll uh i'll always know her as as harley quinn i'm pretty sure i still think of her as the the, the daughter from eight simple rules <laughs> really i think so yeah that was her right i mean it might be, i don't know i think it was her I don't yeah. remember. it was a long time ago yeah uh, they obviously, uh, the... I, I do think of her as, uh, you know, if I th think of her name, the first thing that comes to mind is Big Bang Theory, let's be honest. Um, but, whatever, I mean, she's doing, you know, more interesting work, she's clearly trying to stretch her acting chops a bit, because I imagine playing a character on a sitcom, uh, after, you know, the, the 11 seasons or whatever it was, that she was probably, like, dying to, like, do a serious like, was... role. <laughs> well, no, this is the thing, there was an interview with her 
recently that I happened to see. Oh. And she was like, she was like, me and some of the other guys, we were down to do more seasons of Big Bang Theory. We were raking it in. We were like, hey, look, this is easy money. Let's keep doing this. And it was uh, Jim Parsons who was like, no, nah, I'm out. And because he left, they were like, right, I guess the show's over. So that killed the payday. The rest of them were happy earning a million plus per episode. Wouldn't you be? Let's be honest. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I must say. I mean, that's, that's, <laughs> that's a comfortable $24 million a year you're making. Uh, plus money for reruns and such. Uh, royalties, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, which is a lot, let's be honest, when it comes to that show. Uh, which is still gay, at least. So it's, you know, still getting along. No, it but... will. But uh, but it was just the sort of thing where she, she was very open about it. Like, no, 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 we were down to keep doing it. But, you know, Jim Parsons said no. And uh, that was the end of the show. Because can't have the show without Sheldon. I, mean, I bet they all sat and thought about, like... But that wouldn't be true for all of us. Like, I think it's probably true for Sheldon, for her, and, like, the... Was it Leonard? Is the other main one? But see, the other two... I bet if one of them decided not to come back, they would have like, oh, we can still keep going. We can, we can. Oh, definitely. We can work around not having one of the other. I, I think. I, I think the reality is, I think anyone but Jim Parsons probably could have left. If, if, if it was just one of them, that's probably true. I, I, I think there could be an argument that uh, of the trio, the 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 three yeah. important ones. I, I agree that he's probably the one that most distinctly makes it Big Bang Theory, but. I could see the the argument also being for the other two as well that you couldn't really have Big yeah. Bang Theory without them. Um, the one we... thing I will give them as just as a cast yeah. is they uh, collectively really fought for you know equality of like no we're all getting paid the same. Oh yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Credit to them for that. Yeah, uh, the fact that the show uh... is terrible is is completely irrelevant. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. It's always so funny about Big Bang Theory is it started at a time where I kind of watched it when it started because it was just, oh, it was a new sitcom. And I I, I think yeah. I watched like three seasons of it just because it was, it, before, it was before I got critical. It was before I started thinking about TV a little bit differently. And maybe there wasn't as much good TV as well at the time. So it's just kind of funny how it, it started in that era think- of my life. And then by the time it ended, it was like... Things have changed I, so I much. I must have watched four or five seasons because it was at a time where I still, as well as watching other stuff, watched actual live TV, you know, on the TV, not just whatever I felt like it, whenever I felt like it. You know, there, there would be, you know, a couple of hours between, I don't know, 8 and 10 p.m. where I'd just stick on the TV and go, oh, I'll see what, what whatever's on. And whatever night of the week that happened to be on, so well, it's there, I'll watch it. It was just kind of on. So I, I've seen uh, probably a third half of the show just because of that. Well, it's going to start in a limited series about Doris Day based on uh, the biography of Doris Day, her own story. So that's what she's uh, going to be doing. Uh, she's, also, she's also executive producing this, so she's getting a bit more uh, sort of, you know, control, a bit more of a producer cred there. Um, yeah. uh, the biography is a series of interviews... Uh, with the actress, who is also a singer and animal rights activist, um, so it's all based on like a bunch of different interviews uh, that she gave. So, yeah, cool. But probably not for us, I don't think. But cool. Uh, I don't think so. But I mean, it's definitely a different role for her. So, fair play. Uh, next up, Leanne Moriarty, the author behind Big Little Lies and uh, the upcoming show from Hulu, Nine Perfect Strangers, is going to have another book adapted into a limited series. 
I'm uh, shocked. I know, I know. Uh, it's not even out yet. It's coming out in September. Uh, so this is another example. They've definitely already done all the books that were already out. Yes, yes. That's another, already, or at least they've all been optioned. This is another example of the manuscript making its way to, you know, studios. You know, to like, hey, we can time this with the book coming out. You can announce your big you know, show coming mm-hmm. and so on. Uh, so... Yes, uh, it focuses on focuses on the the Lanies, uh, who from the outside appear to be the uh, enviably contented family. Former tennis coaches Joy and Stan are parents of four adult children, but unfortunately Joy disappears, and her children are forced to re-examine their parents' marriage, their family history, with a fresh and frightening eyes. So thrilling. All right. <laughs> I mean. Uh... I, I I didn't really like uh, Big Little Lies. Yes, uh, the title of the the, the the by the way is uh, "Apples Never Fall." I never quite mentioned that. <laughs> Apples never fall. It's not really true, is it? They're saying apples don't fall. I I know from the kitchen counter because kitchen counters tend to be really sticky, and the apples don't fall. Mine does, after I've made a few drinks. <laughs> yeah. Usually it's some jam or something you've spilled on the counter. And if you, if you don't notice it at first, it solidifies a little bit and you just have this horrible stickiness there for a while. Hmm. That is rough. Yeah. On to the trees. No, definitely not. Uh, next up, Natalie Portman and Lupita Nyong'o are going to star in a limited series. Uh, adaptation of Laura Lippman's book Lady in the Lake for Apple TV Plus. Uh, the series. I'm takes... going to go out on a limb and uh-huh. say this isn't to do with King Arthur. We can hope. The limited <laughs> series takes place in the 60s Baltimore, where an unsolved murder pushes housewife and mother Maddie Schwartz, played by Portman, to reinvent her life as an investigative journalist and sets her collision course with Cleo Sherwood, played by Nyong'o, a hardworking woman juggling motherhood, many jobs and a passionate commitment to advancing Baltimore's black progressive agenda. Uh, hardworking women juggling motherhood many jobs. Hmm. Sounds a little professional and personal to me. It does a little bit, doesn't it? But, I mean, what the hell? Uh, oh, actually, you have to drink for another one anyway. Because uh, I, I, I knew a rule that we that we kind of forgotten about, I think, is the... Uh, the one about the family re-examining secrets, the idea that there's a secret in the family uh, that comes up. That that definitely fell when into that. When did that come up? And the apples falling one. Oh, yeah, okay. The mother disappears and they one. have to re-examine their relationship with their mother and their marriage. Mm. And that was definitely implying some dark secrets. Yeah, all right then. Uh, David Duchovny is going to be doing a new show on Showtime. Obviously, he did... Uh, wait, wait, wait. Are we not going to give opinions on the last one yet? Oh, well, go on. Give, it, give it an opinion. I did, I, I, honestly, I didn't realise you'd finished with the description. I thought you just stopped to tell me professional and personal. No, that was it. I finished. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, I think, it, I mean, the description's like, yeah, okay, but that's a very good cast. That makes me interested. Because hmm. I do like both of them a lot. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I look at it and go, that's two people who have been in Star Wars, and I just don't feel comfortable giving it my support. That, if that was your line for what you can't watch, that would cut out a lot of stuff for you. Hey, imagine saying that about people who have been in a superhero movie. You wouldn't be able to watch anything, though. <laughs> you really wouldn't. 
imagine if you went i don't want to watch anyone who's been anything with anyone who's been a superhero movie a harry potter movie or or a star wars movie you've cut out like 60 percent of your your mainstream actors that's all right david lynch got me covered uh kind of <laughs> I'm, sh- I'm sure he's borrowed actors. <sighs> of course, Laura of Dern things. had to be in Last Jedi. Like, Last yeah, Jedi just had to ruin I, I, something Cal- else. Cal McLaughlin was in Edges of S.H.I.E.L.D. Like, that counts. I was in a movie. We said movie. Mm, I mean, <laughs> technically, yes, but I'm stretching the rules a little bit. Anyway, sorry, David Duchovny's got to go back to Showtime. He did Californication there. Uh, and he's doing an adaptation, potentially, of Truly Light Lightning. And what's notable about the book... Truly Light Lightning is that David Duchovny wrote it. <laughs> so, Duchovny. He's adapting his own works. Yeah. He's got a atta- star. He's attached a star and his own adaptation. Duchovny will write the adaptation with Tyler Nielsen. I'm shocked. And Michael Schwartz. He's got some. He's got a team of other writers to help. Uh, All right. So, these writer directors uh, were behind the Peanut Butter Falcon. So, they're going to co write with him. Oh, that got cred. Yeah. Uh, and then they're also set to direct uh, the pilot if it's picked up. So, uh, so in Truly Light Lightning, the unplugged, off-the-grid, almost biblical desert lives of former Hollywood stuntman Bronson Powers, played by Duchovny, and his three wives. Are we sure this is not just like some sort of fantasy that Duchovny has for himself? <laughs> I was just going to say, this all sounds uh, a little bit suspicious. Yes. Uh, his three wives and ten children is upended when a ruthless real estate developer stumbles upon his thousands of acres uh, in Joshua Tree and tries to force him off his land and return his family to the temptations of modernity of 21st century America. The book is described as a heartbreaking meditation on family, religion, sex, greed, human nature, and the vanishing environment of an ancient desert. Can we talk about the ten children? Because that that sounds like a handful. That's a lot of work. Hi, but that's what? 3.3 between each wife? I mean... Yeah, yeah. It's on their part, individually, for the wives. Yeah, not that bad. But for him, that's a lot of kids. I bet he's off hunting. He, he lets the wives take care of the kids. He's, he's off. He, he says he's going <laughs> hunting, but he's actually just riding to a road where there's like a, a shop and just buying some like stuff. And then he just takes out, he picks the fish out of the packaging, makes it look like he's caught some fish. Uh, he spends most yeah. of the day just like hanging out. Uh, he claims See, he's a like, man of nature, but he's actually going to the movies all day. <laughs> my my mom is is the youngest of seven. I wonder if if. Uh... If her, if her father was like that, she'd be like, oh, seven, that's too many. Screw this. My mother was the youngest of 16. 16? That's a lot. That's a, that's a lot. So you so you whipped out that seven like you thought it'd be impressive. But Seven's I... still, like, fairly big for, for one for, for one couple. Like, you know, this isn't split across multiple wives like this scenario. Dial's a 16? No, no, I, I, I'm not <laughs> questioning that. I assumed it wasn't because you would have specified, I'm sure. I, I'm just, but I know. was just like... Seven's still a lot. I'm like, Phew, 16, that's way too many. I don't know. Contraception was expensive, I guess. I, I, I don't know what to tell you. Or, or, or they were religious. I don't think they were. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. It's, I don't know. it's a, as plausible a reason as any. I don't think they were. I, I, I don't know. I think it was just a different time. Yeah. A different time. Um, Next up... The act creator Michelle Dean is adapting a dark story about a cold case murder and its connection to the LAPD. Um, I feel like that just kind of told us everything, but The Lazarus Files 
which was published in April 2019, tells the story of one of the most infamous disturbing murder cases in LAPD history, which remained unsolved until DNA evidence implicated a shocking suspect, Stephanie Lazarus, a detective within the LAPD's own ranks. Uh, I feel like the short version of the, the intro actually kind of just almost told us everything. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I feel like, I mean, all right, I've seen the show now, and I, I know the star, I, I know, I know mm-hmm. all your twists. Yes. Uh, well, the fact that they're telling us that means that that's probably something that's revealed early on, and maybe we get like a dual n- narrative structure where we're seeing it play out or something. I don't know. Uh, maybe this this is probably going to take some very heavy creative liberties with with real events. Yes. Uh, I'm just not nothing. Okay, as a true story. I just, nothing actually specifically said it was based on a real event, so I was just looking further down. Uh, but it does. It was the line said based on the uh, you know, uh, infamous LA ca- uh, LAPD case or something to that effect. That, that made me assume it was true. It just says, adapt a dark story about a cold case murder and its connection to the LAPD. That sentence, well, it kind of implies it's true. It doesn't. It was further along than that. Keep Keep reading. What, you want me to read the description no. again? There was something in the description that made me go, that's true. Tells the story of one of the most infamous and disturbing murder cases in LAPD history. I guess that, okay. There you go, yeah. Right. But I was just looking for a confirmation. Uh, so so the writer was an investigative journalist and uh, and interviewed this Lazarus character uh, in 2008. It was like, it's him. You think Stephanie Lazarus was a was a man? I'll be honest, I forgot what the name was. I just got Lazarus and, you know. You know, women can be serial killers too, you know. They can, but it's statistically far less likely. So <laughs> yeah, just... my bet was not not that unreasonable. <laughs> yes, but I told you the name was Stephanie Lazarus like, a, like a 60 well, seconds ago. I forgot ago. the name. So... Look, we've established I've had quite a few drinks at this point. <laughs> I was drinking before this started. So just carry on. <laughs> Oh dear. Um Okay, we got one final story uh to tell you about. Uh Dick Wolf. Do you know who Dick Wolf is? How could I not? We talk about him like every six months. Name a show that he produces. Any of the cop shows that I don't know which ones. It's a specific batch, it's not just any of them. I, I know it's a specific batch, but I can't remember which ones. It's the the the, the generic cop shows they're all the same you're not narrowing it down i know i'm not because they're all the goddamn same i'll give you a hint it's an acronym (laughs) oh yeah yeah that's a real good hint (laughs) oh i don't know which ones are his (sighs) okay fbi is the franchise in question so uh, it renewed FBI, as a CBS specifically, they renewed FBI for a fourth season and FBI Most Wanted for a third season. But the important part here is that they've given a green light, a series order to the third FBI show, FBI International. FBI is a really awkward acronym. Um, sounds like you're agreeing with someone. FBI. <laughs> <laughs> FBI. I imagine saying that in like an Australian accent would really make it sound like you're agreeing with them. Or asking a question. FBI, eh? 
yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all down to inflection, but <laughs> <laughs> it's awkward no matter what. Why not FBI? I don't know. Global offense, I don't know. <laughs> Global offense. It's not a Counter Strike game. Uh, F- FBI. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> no, that's why they went with international, because no one else knew either. Ah, uh, hey, but I'm not a paid writer. They, they, should, they should be coming up with something better than this. This, this is their full time gig. I've been thinking about it for 30 seconds. <laughs> Not the same thing. Oh no. Conroe Con- has, uh, has frozen here. Uh, the excitement of a third FBI sh- FBI show has just left him completely uh, paralyzed with happiness. Look at him. He's so cheery. Um, <laughs> luckily, that wraps up the show uh, pretty much. Uh, so, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, you can like and subscribe. Very important, as we said earlier. Go to patreon.com slash TV. Please do. Uh, <laughs> thank you for joining us. You can um, also check out TV reviews. We had Superman and Lois this week. It's on a break now for like two months, but we have been reviewing that. I've been reviewing Debris, which I've been enjoying. It's very fringy. I've been enjoying the four episodes so far. So I give the show a shot and maybe help stop it from being cancelled because it's kind of one of those shows that might get cancelled. Um, so go check that. Also, I did the uh, first Falcon and Winter Soldier uh, myself as well this past week. Uh, so go check out those TV reviews. But thank you once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep watching TV. Have you got any vanilla? Look at me so happy. <laughs>